Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists where we talk about the underfunded and poorly thought out rollouts of many mental health related things. <laughs> and continuing our emphasis in that direction. We're here to talk about the 988 rollout starting July 2022 and how this is a, a really well thought idea with some hurdles that have to be overcome here. You're so, so kind. <laughs> I would say the implementation sounds pretty crappy, but we'll get to that. Katie, why don't you start us off and tell our listeners about how 988 came to be? So if we're looking at 988 in 2020, and I'm reading from the SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, from their website about 988. In 2020, Congress des designated the new 988 dialing code to operate through the existing National Suicide Prevention Lifelines Network of over 200 locally operated and funded crisis centers across the country. And on July 16th, 2022, this is coming up very, very soon, the U.S. will transition to using the 988 dialing code. And it is a once-in-a-life opportunity to strengthen and expand the existing lifeline. This is one of their message things. I'll put the link to all of SAMHSA's stuff in our show notes. But what I'm really seeing in a lot of this stuff that I'm looking at is the idea is we take a lot of kind of loosely connected services and try to create what we talked about with the RAND folks, which is this kind of robust crisis response system. And the idea is that 988 is going to be the entry point for that or one entry point for that. But right now, it seems like this is just the first step. So it's shifting everyone to actually 10-digit calling. So people who weren't with area codes now have area codes. So 988 being dialed, it's not the beginning of a phone number. It is now only going to be allotted for this lifeline. It provides for potentially chatting on their website, I guess, but also texting to 988. This is not available yet. It's not clear. We'll, we'll go into it, whether it's going to be actually truly available on July 16th. But the, the idea is that folks who are in a crisis feeling suicidal or have a family member or friend or loved one of some sort that is suicidal, that they can call 988 rather than what is the number? It's like super long. 1-800-273-8255 or alternatively a crisis text line by texting home to 741741. So there's a lot of numbers to remember 
until July 16th, when theoretically people can dial 988 and uh, that will just help with kind of starting the thing. But they, it seems like they're starting to increase requirements for training or at least theoretically guidelines on how to run these different call centers and potentially are hoping that this will then move toward a, con- a continuum of crisis response that we talked about with Dr. Ryan McBain and Dr. Nicole Eberhardt on our first Fixing Mental Health Care in America thing, which I will also put in the show notes. So I think that, I think I got most of what it is and what's supposed to be, but it is something that they've had two years and multiple millions of dollars that have theoretically gone towards this. But so far, I think they just have it so that people can dial 988, but it may be that they call that number and that's only what they get is that little bit of call, (laughs) phone call. To add to this, this is to also help to bring together a lot more of local resources to local callers because the national lifeline that exists currently is one where overflow from one state to the next might not necessarily have the resources. And for example, here in from January 1st to March 31st, 2022, many states are sending over 50% of the emergency suicide phone calls to call centers outside of the state where the person is calling. And when we're talking about getting people in touch with continuum of care issues, things drastically differ from one state to the next. That if there's somebody who's familiar with metropolitan resources that are available in one area, it's not necessarily easy for them to quickly and accurately provide resources for people in a more rural state. Now, a lot of this is designed to end up having people who are calling be sent to more local resources. Now, some states are are better at this than others. For example, California answered 85% of the phone calls that they received between January 1st and March 31st, 2022 at in-state call centers. So, but that's only 85%. So even California that theoretically has a pretty robust social services system and mental health system, I know we have problems, but like we're actually... I feel like a little bit of ahead of the game. We sent 15% outside of our state. Oh, no, no. We sent 246 out of 68,000 calls out of state, which is less than 1%, meaning that 14% weren't even answered. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Okay. So I don't think I could remember that phone number. I can remember 988. These calls are going to increase. Right. Now, for another example, Alaska answered about 53% of their phone calls in that same period in their own state, and roughly about 33% of their phone calls went completely unanswered. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So the idea, and you, you mentioned the our friends over at the Rand Corporation, and we're going to heavily cite from an unpublished paper that both Ryan and Nicole uh, contributed to throughout this episode. But the idea is that 988 is going to help put more local people in touch with a more local system. And the idea behind this is that Congress, when they passed this in 2020, 
was going to roll out funding support and encourage states to create their own funding to make the 988 system more robust than the current national hotline system. If you have paid attention to government at all in your lifetime, um, you can imagine that many of these states have not actually provided some of their funding. And we're looking at several states that have zero funding actually involved. We're looking at this report. It's it's actually called a working paper. We'll include the link to this in the show notes as well. But fewer than half of people who are calling in are getting treatment. And this just seems to be like a lot of agencies that are supposed to be now taking the phone calls because part of building out this system is that the overflow from the already in place lifeline centers that exist for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline would now go to local agencies. But many of these agencies never got a chance to be at the table in designing how this is built out. And so are left with very little federal or even state guidance or funding to actually be able to staff these things, have the resources like psychiatric emergency teams to be able to go out and respond to people. And this is where we're hearing more and more about it as July 16th comes out. And presumably the public's hearing more and more about it too, but without the actual infrastructure in place to handle the inadequacies that already existed, but with a better campaign of reaching the public, we're going to run into some problems. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I'm just even kind of reflecting back on my time as an LPS designate. So I was able to do some of these assessments and working in intensive kind of crisis response kind of care. And those systems were already really lacking. At one point, the agencies got the responsibility to do these assessments versus the countywide teams. And they had like two people for the whole county of Los Angeles, which is like a small state almost. It's so big. (laughs) And so it's something where... um, being able to do kind of the ongoing treatment versus this very specialized crisis response and triage, basically, I think is something where these are whole new programs for some of these community mental health organizations. And if there's not guidance, if there's not training, if there's not funding, it's a big mess. And it becomes something that nobody wants to do. 
you know, especially with these kind of on the ground crisis response folks, it's going to people's homes, it's driving out in the middle of the night. I mean, like these are very specific jobs that a lot of therapists are not signing up for. I know I, I knew folks who would have loved this job. So I, I hope that they actually get their act together and create something. But it sounds like there's not enough folks to f- answer the phones. And then if they do answer the phones, it potentially is law enforcement that ends up going out, right? And we have a whole other slew of episodes that we're going to talk about that. But if we're if we don't actually have that system in place, just having a number is just going to show the gaps more, right? Like it's just going to show like how many people were failing because more people will call, more calls will go unanswered, and more people will will not get the resources, or at least it'll be recorded how many people are not getting the resources that they actually need in these times of crisis. The RAND study surveyed 180 state, regional, and county health officials and found that only half think that their jurisdictions had the short-term crisis stabilization services, which callers could be directed to. And only 28% had urgent care units that could be dispatched to people in urgent need. And only 22% had call centers that could schedule mental health appointments on behalf of the people who wanted them. Now, just to talk about the scale of this a little bit, SAMHSA in 2020 said that they had 3.6 million calls, chats, and texts to the existing hotline. And after the 988 transition, they expect that volume to go to 6 million to 12 million within the first 12 months. Oh my gosh. And we already have calls not being answered. Stepping back just a second to what the lifeline has supposed to have been, as well as what these call centers could be like, it can can be an entry point into mental health services. I know there are times when I have directed clients, if I'm away or I'm, I'm not doing calls at two in the morning, I'm not available to them, that suicide prevention hotlines can be helpful. It can be an intervention in and of itself. And so to me... Getting a call answered, having some de-escalation, some conversation that helps someone to get out of that suicidal place, that can be helpful. So talk to me about the training for these folks that are going to be answering the phones. Because what you're saying, and, and I'm agreeing from my own experience, that they're not going to be able to be connected to stuff very easily because there's a lot of people that a lot of agencies I'm sure have wait lists. There's a lot of resources that are just not there. So at the intervention level at like, let me call and get the support I need so I can get through the night and go back and see my therapist tomorrow morning. What is that training for the call center folks? So that's also going to depend greatly on jurisdiction. For example, Alaska is requiring 50 hours of classroom time and 30 hours of shadow time. And Alaska mental health agency representatives are saying that we don't have enough time to end up getting people trained. And this is from an article that was written on June 18th. And assuming that most people are going to be observing the July 4th holiday, this would be full-time training for a couple of weeks before people are able to kind of step in and start to end up being able to be readily available to take phone calls. So they're not going to have enough folks on the phones, but that, I mean, that's a problem that theoretically can get solved over time if they 
hire people, train them, and it's a reasonable job that people can take on. Oh, you're bringing up the J-O-B word. Now, <laughs> 75% of agencies across the country are planning on at least partially, if not fully staffing these hotlines with volunteers. You have got to be kidding me. Oh my gosh. We have a job that is critically important to keep folks alive, to keep folks moving forward to the next day. And we're going to staff those phones with volunteers that could just walk out, that may not be held accountable in the same way to training or whatever, who potentially won't want to do the hours required because it is a volunteer position. Why is this part of the plan? Because mental health is not a priority according to any of the actions taken in response to this. That we're looking at states that haven't even funded this yet. Some states like Illinois have talked about moving funding from 911 over to 988, which Rob Peter to pay Paul when mm -hmm. it's not even crossing over the resources that already exist for 911 to work collaboratively with 988. Many states don't have the funding to implement this at all set up. And those are the states that are going to have some of the biggest issues with this when it comes to actually not only having people to answer the phone, but also then to put them into all of the continuum of care spaces that you mentioned earlier in the episode. I think part of the problem of this is that this is being marketed as a robust addition to our mental health system, when really what it is is. It's a great thing to say if you're in a suicidal crisis, we are trying to do something with it, but our system's already overwhelmed. This is not really building out the rest of our continuum of care system. You, you look angry. I am so angry. <laughs> I am so angry. This is like, okay, there's a little tiny hole in the boat and the water's coming in. And they're like, no, that hole's not big enough. Let's sink this boat. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I just, I picture the already impacted mental health system where there isn't enough space for folks who already need mental health services. And then you add on top of that volunteers who may be well-trained. There may be beautiful experiences, but the fact that they are not getting paid for a critical job at a critical time really pisses me off. But let's just say you've got, you've got an overwhelmed volunteer, most likely college students trying to get their resumes together or whatever, right? Like you've got folks who are super overwhelmed with nowhere to send anybody and potentially not the emotional intelligence and resources to be able to navigate these conversations. And so you're getting, it, it is not even a Band-Aid. It's like a stinky Band-Aid with, with poison on it. So let's talk about some of the things that aren't also in place. We're not only are we not funding in many jurisdictions mm -hmm. the call center aspect of it, but many places are not building out the other two components of it, which is text availability and website chat availability that I don't know might affect adolescents a lot more mm -hmm. who don't want to be heard by their parents through the door 
and particularly LGBTQ plus adolescents who may find this as the most convenient way of being able to reach out to somebody in, I don't know, one of their most overwhelmed and weakest points in their lives. Well, and when I was looking, there's also a phone. They'll have uh, lots of different language capacity, but text and chat are only English right now. And there's more. <laughs> okay, continue. I just feel like I just feel like I need to take a shower. So, according to the Rand working paper, less than one quarter of the respondents reported that their staff has training to interact with indigenous communities. Less than 38% are not trained to work with physical or intellectual disabilities. Less than half of the survey reports that their staff was trained to engage with the unique needs of LGBTQIA plus populations, less than half with individuals experiencing homelessness, and more than one half of the survey respondents reported that they did not have specific training to work with children or adolescents. So we're looking at a good swath of folks who are most likely to be calling these numbers and they're going to reach somebody that has no training to work with them. That is correct. It's like you're trying to piss me off. <laughs> it's like I, I wish I could put my head in the sand on this. This is something where this is really unacceptable. Oh, so you, you want to be a member of Congress funding this? I do. I do. For just a moment, I just want to hide out and pretend like this isn't the, the shit show that it is. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. This needs a lot more support. The overwhelmed system that's here is not adequately lined up to deal with this. The plugging the gaps of the system, you brought up the, the holes in the ship sort of argument is this is not plugging the gaps. This is making it more known of like, hey, we've got we've got a ship for you. Come over to our ship. But it's not doing any of the extra things that would actually make this system of mental health care actually work. And so what's going to end up happening is that a lot of this is going to end up getting referred, like you said, to agencies that are either overwhelmed. It's going to be you know, shifted over to law enforcement, first responder, or back to emergency rooms, kind of status quo sort of things as we're looking at it without any long-term plans. Because some of the funding interjections, like one that Wyoming's received. Now, Wyoming reports that they have the capacity to handle the about 500 phone calls per month ahead of what's expected to be a surge. They're getting $2.1 million in funding as a one-time non-recurring. Yeah, without that being a recurring funding or, or some sort of ongoing funding stream, it doesn't make sense. And it, it just you you set something up and then it falls apart. Now, 
the hope was that many states would implement funding for these programs, much like the 911 system is funded. If you actually care to ever peruse your phone bill, there's a surcharge for 911 services. That's how 911 gets funded. Only four states currently have that in place. To try to decrease the level of, I don't know, hopelessness and malaise that I'm experiencing in this moment. It sounds like there may be some paths forward if states have the political will to do it. There's the 988 surcharge that's a possibility. It seems like some sort of integration and support between the 911 folks and the 988 folks to figure out how to build this infrastructure and and successfully implement it um, across all of the ways. Um, It seems like funding streams are really important. And some of this stuff potentially would be funded by Medicaid or insurance services for mental health, but there's so many places where they don't, or there's conflicts or stuff like that. So I think it's, it's something where this is something that if you throw money at it, it could get better. And the vision of it being an easy access point to a robust crisis response system, an entry point for mental health, like that vision seems really powerful. And so I feel like this is a possibility. And if we do show the gaps, if there's, if this does say like, hey, look at all these places that we are not able to actually address the mental health needs of our community, does that potentially give us some momentum. I mean, I hate to be pessimistic, so I'm trying to find some optimism here, but like sometimes when you show the gaps, people recognize they need to fix them or fill them up. You and I have been in enough Congress people's offices, both in Sacramento and in DC. Come on, let's be honest about this. We've been pointing out the gaps in our system for decade plus in just our personal experience. And that's carrying on the work of people who'd been doing this stuff for a decade plus before showing the gaps of the system. Maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic about this right now, but has not worked. Everybody, you know, every staffer, every congressperson will shake your hand and look you in the eye and say, yes, that surely is something that we need to look into. But this has all of the makings of being a piss poor rollout that people are just like, here's another government waste of money that doesn't work because not only am they saying that there's this great new system out there, but nobody's answering the calls and I'm just as bad as I was before and now with less tax dollars. Now, the RAND people have a a few recommendations in their report, and I've got one more that addresses part of this, but... Coordinating with local institutions to develop a strategic plan that enhances mental health emergency response and includes stable sources of revenue. Many of the places that the RAND people reached out to said that they were not consulted at all in this rollout mm-hmm. or were consulted at a very minimal level. And it seems asinine that a system that's being just like shoved out to the states and then just like, hey, I guess you get some public funding deal with this. It seems to have been maybe a caricature of what actually happened, but seems to be it. But the big piece of this is stable funding. Yeah, because I think a lot of this, when you're already saying that volunteers are going to be manning the the call centers, 
I can already see a, a slew of unfunded mandates that come along with us. So it's something that's going to really tax the agencies that are already struggling to meet the mental health needs with paid services. Yes. Uh, their second recommendation is conduct a needs assessment for mental health infrastructure and personnel and examine whether recently passed federal legislation could support investments in it. This does not seem to be consistent with the creation of 988 at the federal level, but with the states running it. And so I mean, RAND people are very smart people. I'm not here to disagree with them, but I think that this has to be something that for those of you who are as pissed off as we are about this, it's really making sure that your state level representatives are tackling this because at the federal level, the intention of the bill from the beginning seemed to be have the states fund this, here's some money to get it going. And the third recommendation from the RAND people is ensure that the local mental health emergency hotlines follow best practices, collect information on performance, and are part of the Lifeline network. And yeah, that's a pretty good thing. But my thought is in talking with whether it's your representatives yourselves or any of the professional organizations is if we're really looking at getting these things staffed, there is a space for the next several years until the funding is in place that pre-licensed therapists could earn a certain number of double hours towards licensure by manning these hotlines. And that would be something working with your licensing boards is a possibility. But if we're concerned about not professional people, not professionally trained people or people with 80 hours of training to work with a wide variety of populations, this is possibly an area to solve a actual problem with some short-term motivations for getting more people into the workforce quicker to actually serve on the other end of community mental health clinics and any of the continuum of care here. That idea has merit, and I really want to refer you to your own statement that pre-licensees need to get paid, and we'll put the link to that episode in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that that because it's being it's mental health, I think that they're going to continue to either underpay or not pay folks, and I think it just creates this ongoing problem. So. My hope is that we can actually do something at the federal level. I know you said to talk to state legislators, but I think federal funding, I think, needs to happen. And I think sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess you're right. I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening soon. But but I, I feel like if the states are left to their own devices, there are some states that just don't have the political will or the infrastructure to get the funding they need for this. And I think the, I think the federal government needs to, to put in place potentially additional Medicaid funding or, or some sort of way that this can fall into other funding streams that, that are already in place. We will include links in our shout outs to a lot of the articles that we're referencing here, as well as links on how to find out who your Congress people are. <laughs> And make sure that you connect with us on our social media and join our Patreon or buy me a coffee to help continue supporting us in the work that we're doing to highlight this, these kinds of issues and being able to 
help continue the advocacy efforts for a better mental health system. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.